Welcome to the Charlotte Show. This is the show for the hungry mind that doesn't want just another newscast. This is current events like no other. From politics to lipstick, Charlotte will entertain and inform you every week on today's hottest topics. Let's get started with your host, Charlotte Millington. Welcome to today's show. Today we are talking about New Year's resolutions and habits, two of my favorite topics because both stem from the science of behavior change. As a society, we are constantly looking to change something about ourselves and our position in life. We want to weigh less, we want to eat better, we want to earn more, we want to look better, we want to feel better, and we want to be better people. So with all of the information that's available to us now, why aren't we all thin, muscular, free from heart disease and depression, and rolling in luxury cars? Well, the answer seems to be it's because our ability to stick to it is competing with our innate need to avoid the pain of extra work. So what does that mean? Let's start with a minute and just look at um, something that we all experienced back on January 1st, which is our New Year's Eve, uh, sorry, our New Year's resolution. According to author Jeremy Dean, by January the 8th, almost 25% of us have abandoned our resolutions. And then if you keep digging, you'll find other research that says 80% of our New Year's resolutions are gone by February. So right now, it's the end of February. In fact, it's, it's going to be March tomorrow. And my question to you is how many of your New Year's resolutions have stuck around? You've probably heard a variation of this old saying, it takes 21 days to form a new habit. And then sometimes you'll read other things that says the number is 30 days, sometimes it's 60 days, I've even seen seven. But regardless of what the number is, it's still not true. If kicking a lifetime of overeating just took 21 days of willpower, North America would not have an obesity problem. Habits are a little more complicated than that. Okay, so what does it take? Science, as well as Author Charles Duhigg says that to build a new habit, you need five key components. So number one is you need a reason. Number two is you need a trigger. Number three is a micro habit. Number four, an effective practice. And number five is a plan. Now, there are a lot of reasons why you might want to make a life change. You might want to feel less winded when you walk up the stairs. You might want people to look at you and see a person with very high standards. Or you just might want to be considered for a new role in your workplace. Reasons are varied and personal, but the reality is that a reason isn't enough because the next thing that you need is you need a trigger. There are a lot of triggers that can cause your reason to get pushed into activity. These triggers are usually categorized by location, time, your emotional state, the people around you, or something that just happened like an event. So if you watch some of the Netflix documentaries on weight loss, because those are very popular, what you'll see is many of the people had a triggering moment, like a heart attack or the loss of a family a family friend or a parent to an obesity-related disease. But in real life, a trigger doesn't need to be so extreme. A trigger could be literally the moment that you realize you can't zip up your coat and you realize, okay, this has got to change. Microhabits are really where the magic happens. So for example, if you know you need to move more to lose weight, then yep, by all means, you can get the annual New Year's Resolution gym membership and then you can train like a pro for a few weeks and just right around the time that you should start to feel some changes, what you do is you go home, you watch Netflix, and then all of a sudden you realize you haven't been to the gym in a really long time. So if if you want to be able to stay at the gym for the rest of your life, you're going to need to make those changes in very small incremental habits. And we call those micro habits. So a micro habit is something like adding a two-minute walk to your day. 
Now that's not going to sound like a lot, but if you're, if you're a couch potato, two minutes is a big change. And it's really the tiny changes that are going to lead to the big change. You've probably heard the expression, take care of your pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. And this is really just the same concept. By adding two minutes of extra movement to your day, you've just added a 14 minute walk to your week. And this is something that you can build on. Once you've added two minutes to your morning, you can add two minutes to the afternoon. You can add another minute here and there. And then without disrupting your comfort level at all, you've just added a 30 minute walk to your week. And once you've done that, you can do more and don't underestimate the change that 30 minutes of movement more in a week will give you. It's a lot. When you're starting at zero, it's a lot. An effective practice is exactly what it sounds like. Get good at the small stuff. So for example, if you know that you need to add five more servings of fruit and vegetables to your daily diet, start small. Add a fist-sized salad to your lunch and then get in the habit of packing that into your lunch every day and then get in the habit of eating that first. You can build bigger from there, but every single person who goes for this all or nothing mentality around New Year's resolutions tends to fail because all or nothing isn't comfortable and as humans, we always default to comfort. So the next thing you need to look at is your plan. How are you going to deal with temptation and failure? Because you are going to be tempted and sometimes you're going to fail. And that's just the reality of the way that the world works. So what are you going to do when you face temptation? And this is where your plan needs to come in. Will you, will you give in? Will you self-talk your way out of it? Only you know how you can cope with temptation. So you need to make a plan. And there are some really great ways to make plans. Um, and I really encourage you to look those up. The same goes for when you fall off the wagon or what we call failing. Learn to forgive yourself. Learn to dust yourself off and then get back up on track. And then while you're learning forgiveness, make a plan on what you're going to do to be able to dust yourself off. Will you throw in the towel and say, oh, that was such a waste of time? Or are you just going to say, that was a rocky 20 minutes, but I'm going to keep going. Here's an interesting fact about cravings for you to consider. And, and this is an important part of dealing with your New Year's resolutions, particularly if they are food-related cravings. Um, we don't actually want the thing that we're craving. We just really want to alleviate the feeling of craving it. Okay, does that make sense? Think of smokers. Smokers know cigarettes are bad. And, and smokers know that cigarettes aren't just a little bit bad. Smokers know that, that it's cancer-causing, death-inducing. It's that level of bad. They don't need more education on why smoking is a bad idea. So clearly, it's not a lack of education that keeps smokers puffing outside. And here's the thing with smokers. Smokers will go to great lengths to get a cigarette. They're going to leave meetings. They leave friends. They leave their workstation. They stand outside in a snowstorm in a t-shirt. They'll stand outside in a downpour with a raincoat. They'll leave the property because that's the rules of their workplace. They don't just crave being rained on or being frozen, but they will endure either of those to alleviate the physical craving for a cigarette. Once that pain, so the, the pain of a physical craving has been satisfied, They'll be back at work at the meeting, they'll be back at their desk, they'll be back with their friends, and they're going to stay inside where it's warm and dry. So, how does this relate to your lost New Year's resolutions? While you were busy sweating in the gym for the first few weeks of January, your body was craving your normal habit, your normal habit. or more accurately, your mind was hoping to alleviate the craving of what you used to do. So in some cases, this might have been, you know, for example, being at home with your family and your dog in the evening. And instead, what you've been doing is you're at the gym struggling to lift weights while you're listening to techno music. This is not what you're used to. So even though you know, you have the education to know that being in the gym could change your life for the better, 
your need to alleviate your longing for your old life begins to compete with your knowledge that being out of shape is cutting years off your life. You have a craving for the sensation of a normal evening, and in no time at all, you need to alleviate that craving until it becomes so strong that your resolution, which was fired purely by willpower, becomes uh, a satisfying need to just go home and hang out with your family and your dog. And by the middle of January, uh, sorry, by the middle of February, your, your gym bag is sitting in your front hall and you haven't touched it in a couple of weeks. So this is where rewards come into play. Rewards are really cool because rewards are how you reinforce your fledgling habits. Now we maintain our habits, good or bad, because of the rewards we get. And if you're clear on what rewards you, you can get clear on how to reinforce your own habits so you can be successful. Remember, the goal in this is not just to create these wild New Year's resolutions, but to actually create lifestyle changes. That's why we that's why we set these New Year's resolutions, because we know our life isn't what we want it to be. We see what it could be if we do this, if we do X. And, and we're not sure how to do X, so we just do X all at once. Um, and in this particular case, what we want to do is, is break it down in little tiny chunks, and we want to reinforce these things with rewards. Now, I just want to pause here for a second because we often equate rewards with food. I want to address that. You're not a dog. You don't use food treats to reward your behavior. This is a slippery slope. Don't let it undermine you. Don't pick treat day and then know that treat day is the day that you get to have you know, whatever it is that you, you've been craving. Instead, what I want you to consider is three types of rewards and how they impact you personally, because this is going to be how you decide how to reward your behavior. So reward number one is a reward that makes us feel included, accepted, or valued, and these are called tribe rewards. So when you see people who are posting their endless pictures on social media of their workouts and of their their black bean and quinoa bowls, what they're looking for is a tribe reward. So what they're looking for specifically is a tribe to accept them and cheer them on. Um, Probably what's been happening with them is their own normal regular life isn't giving them that reward yes their their partner might be might be egging them on or supporting them but what they really need is a tribe it's not just a one one person kind of thing uh, then there's a second type of reward and that reward is a reward that gives us stuff now you know what i mean by stuff like i literally physically mean stuff it gives us a different level of satisfaction so for example if you lose 5 pounds you might decide that you you will get a new coat that's a very common reward to get clothing, and it's a good reward because as you start to lose weight, you do need new clothing, but you, you decide that you're going to get a new coat in five pounds. Um, if you quit smoking, you can afford a new vacation. Our primal brain completely understands that we need stuff to survive, but we no longer get a survival satisfaction by getting firewood, making fire, finding a good fishing spot. That's not a survival satisfaction any longer. The part of our brain that understands objects as survival is a part of our brain that is still satisfied with reward, though. So figure out what your reward will be when you hit a goal, when you hit a target, and, and aim for that with a, with a stuff reward. The third category of reward is a little more intrinsic. We like to gain mastery at things. Uh, for example, if you uh, were, were doing target practice, you might be able to hit a bullseye three times in a row. And once you've hit it three times in a row, you have demonstrated a level of satisfying mastery that is rewarding. And it's an intrinsic reward. That feeling is also what propels us to work harder. Because if you can hit it three times in a row, how about five? What does it take to hit it 10 times in a row? If you know what motivates you, you can embed your new habits into your life, and you can turn those into your new default behavior. Here's a final thought for you. 
on on the whole New Year's resolution and where did it go thought. I want you to figure out which of your of your New Year's resolutions went missing in action. Your best bet to change your habits is not to aim for that mythical 21 days fueled by willpower and determination, but for the ones that only take 60 seconds. So remember what I said about you can increase your movement by 30 minutes a week by without thinking about it, by adding two minutes of walking to your day. The real secret to those two minutes is really 60 second chunks. You can do literally anything for 60 seconds. You can eat a vegetable, you can go for a walk, you can do public speaking, you can read a book, you can text a friend and tell them you're thinking about them. Once you've added a 60 second change, it's easier to add another and it's easier to do that 60 seconds every single day or as often as you need it to to be there. Uh, and then you can do that again and again and again. And I want you to consider that behavior modification isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. So these these very broad New Year's resolutions, they make it look like it's a sprint. In reality, it's a marathon. You need to chunk everything down into baby steps and then take as much time as you need to make those changes into lasting habits. Yeah, I want to be really clear. It's not as glorious to announce that your New Year's resolution is to eat celery and carrots for 60 seconds a day. But when the end result is that you added more fresh food to your diet and it didn't take much effort, what you get are results that stick and resolutions that work. And in the middle of February, when everybody else has abandoned their New Year's resolutions, yours are still going strong because you only added a 60-second resolution. I hope this has helped you. If you have more ideas for podcasts that you'd like to hear, you can visit me at charmillington.com. You can send me a message. I love good ideas and I love to be challenged. So have a great day and uh, we will talk again. Bye. That's it for today. And I sure hope you enjoyed listening. If you liked what I had to say, be sure to hit the subscribe button or the like button or whatever it takes to follow me on the podcasting app you're using. If you're curious about what else is going on in my life, visit me at charmillington.com. And just before you go, I have to say a huge thank you to the good people at anchor.fm where I host this podcast. And I also really have to do a huge shout out to the artists at Purple Planet Music who did the cool music that I'm using. So be sure to listen again next time. And in the meantime, have a totally amazing and blessed week.